0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello and welcome to the Big Travel Podcast. I'm Lisa Francesca Nand. Chris Halenga was only 22 when, after spending a few months in China, was diagnosed with incurable breast cancer. Instead of her plans to travel the world, she threw herself into building Copperfield, her wonderful charity passion can take you to some incredible places she says and her message has indeed taken her to some wonderful places both literal and metaphorical she recently celebrated her 10 year cancerversary in true chris helenga style and has some important words for us about enjoying travel enjoying life and enjoying every moment recorded in the offices of copperfield in london it's the inspirational chris helenga I don't know if we start from you just coming back from disney yeah well, let's do it let's, why have you been in disney i love disneyland and i haven't been since i was eight years old and i
1: always wanted to go back and see if it was just as magical when you're an adult and actually it is <laughs> which one were you at florida um no paris Paris, I love yeah paris. i don't think i could handle florida i think it'd just be too overwhelming and we wanted to make sure that we could do all the rides and the good thing well you know, one of the perks of having stage four cancer is that you get a blue badge and therefore you you get to skip all the queues. So, yeah, so we got to go on all the rides and experience all the, the magic that is Disney. It was brilliant fun.
0: I worked there, actually. I worked in Paris in, oh. uh, for about three months and it was... In the backstage area, which is like in a weird industrial estate, oh God. but with like you know Mickey popping through and Snow White and dwarves and reindeer because it was Christmas, and you saw like Pluto with his head off having a bag and yeah. you know that sort of Mickey just having half it, a bottle of wine at lunchtime. That would just like absolutely destroy the magic. <laughs> it's a good job I wasn't with you. It, yeah. To me, it seems that going to Disney with a bunch of your mates kind of really you know you just you just seem so vibrant and full of life and full mm-hmm. of fun and you are, but you are also living with a very serious yeah. disease. I mean, how much of that energy is there? Or do you really have to draw on it?
1: I think it's mostly there. When I'm well, I really try to make the most of that. And I don't really have to work too hard on drawing up some energy. It's it's more like if I'm not well, then obviously I take time out and I rest and I try and recuperate and get better as quickly as I can. And then the rest of the time, it's just—it's very natural to me to just like do everything and just
0: experience everything. Where are you with the cancer? I saw on Twitter that you had some t- tumours that had shrunk the other yes. day, which is obviously a good thing.
1: Yeah, so it's an ongoing thing. And um, it's a case of finding the right treatments at the right time. But most recently, because the cancer had progressed quite a lot at the end of last year. And so I changed treatment in December. And then recently I found out that the treatment was working quite well. And actually I've felt much better than I have in a long time, even though I'm on a much more toxic treatment regime now. So I seem to be responding quite well and I feel good. And it means that I get three months off thinking about stuff, thinking about scan results and stuff. So they scan me again in three months' time. Does it get to you? Mm. When things are bad, yeah, absolutely. It's not. I think people think that I'm quite a positive poly a lot of the time, but they don't see me on the down days. I try to, you know, represent myself as in the most authentic way, I guess, online and demonstrate that it's not always a bed of roses. But actually, a lot of the time, it, it is fine and I am doing well. And when I'm when I'm low, I have a lot of... Because I've had it for 10 years, I have a lot of coping strategies now. I've kind of built up a bit of a toolbox of how I can deal with things. And I've kind of become the boss of my own health and ensuring that I understand my cancer really well and can almost guess its next move and preempt whatever might happen next. So when, if, when I get scan results, I know that when, if he tells me something bad, if my doctor tells me something bad that the cancer's progressed, I know that what I'm going to do next. I already know the next step. And that's a very much a learned thing that I've had to adapt to and get my head around. And it's taken 10 years to do that.
0: And you recently did celebrate, if that's the right word, Mm -hmm. your 10-year cancer anniversary. And you did it with the most beautiful little video online and also your 10 tips for making tips, every yes. day great tips, which I will I will go through those yeah. at the end because they're wonderful but I want to start with the travel because travel mm. I think is something that's always been in your blood and yeah. it seems to be very dear to your heart mm-hmm. you studied travel and tourism yeah. and wanted to go into that yeah. and did go into that briefly yeah. but you seem to have managed to achieve have achieved those dreams that you had yeah. even though it, you went down a, an unexpected path yeah and so where should we start? You were born in Germany actually, yeah. that's a place of travel.
1: Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I was born in right up north in, on the coast. Um, a lot of people don't realise that we there's a beautiful coast in Germany and there's beautiful islands um, but no one tends to go there. Um, it's only a few German holidaymakers that tend to go there. So yeah, I was born there and have a, had a German dad and my mum's British and then we moved to England when I was 10.
0: And there's these great stories about you being completely German Mm. and you and your twin sister being in the playground and just talking to each other in German and being sort of ostracised by the local children. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe not so great, but it sounded quite amusing (laughs) when you told
1: it. Well, the thing is, we had each other, so it was fine. It would have been far scarier if we'd been on our own. But yeah, we refused to speak English to each other because it sounded so weird to us. Our accent was terrible. And so in the playground, we would just be speaking German, obviously completely excluding ourselves from everyone until... A girl called Faye befriended us, and then things got better.
0: You sound like completely English I now, though. Can, yeah. can you still slip back into your German um, accent? When
1: I'm there, I, I mean, I understand it all, and I can speak it fairly well. I can get by. Yeah, no, I don't think the accent is really ever there, but
0: when I'm there, I can put on a pretty good German spiel. (laughs) So you wanted to uh, travel, you know, you wanted to work in travel and you have, you know, ended up traveling extensively. Mm. But you were on your first assignment in travel and tourism. Was it internship in Beijing? Yeah. When you first started to notice that you were really sick with the, you know, the the symptoms of the cancer?
1: Yeah. It was just before I left that I wasn't actually in Barcelona with with my my mum and my sister. And that's when I first mentioned the lumps in my left Breast to them and they said we well, should maybe get it checked out and I went to the GP just before I was leaving for Beijing and and I really didn't want her to say that I need to stay and have tests and and delay my trip and thankfully she didn't she said it was fine and that there was nothing to worry about so I got to go and I had an amazing time in China it was a, a great experience because I was 22 and I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life but I got to study Mandarin and um, so I'd go to school in the morning and then go to work and work for a Chinese French travel company which was very weird, didn't really enjoy it that much but I enjoyed every other aspect of living there and experiencing the culture and the life of crazy Beijing What was the craziest thing that happened in Beijing? I mean there were many nights out very many nights out I think just being in such a very foreign country, but making friends with all the expats and just living a life because, you know, I was renting an apartment and I had roommates and I suddenly had to become very adult very quickly. I think that's when I had to be the most independent I'd ever been because I didn't go to university. Um So I didn't have that time away from home where I had to fend for myself so that was really the first time I had to do that on my own because any travel that I'd done previously was with my twin sister so we always had each other so I was on my own and really just had to learn to cook myself meals and go to work on time and and in a country like that is it wasn't easy it really wasn't easy because I you know I I learnt the basics of how to speak to a taxi driver but I wasn't a local I really wasn't the local You must
0: just really stand out. Yeah, I (laughs) I really
1: did stand out. And every morning when we got the subway to work, I was the only white female on the train uh, surrounded by lots of Chinese businessmen going to work. And I just felt like, wow, I really feel like very alien right now. But it was an amazing experience. I'm not sure if I would do it now, but I had the patience and just the thrill of it
0: was great when I was that age when you're 22 you have that yeah. thrill and sense of excitement and yeah. sense that you can do anything and I think that's a wonderful time to travel and I guess you probably had more ambitions mm. at that point to carry on traveling yeah but of course that's when you became ill and yeah. flew back to England did you come back early?
1: So um, I came back for Christmas the visa situation was really tough that year because it was the Olympics so they only give you visas for three months and um, so I had to come home and I thought I'd go to the GP and get this lump looked at again and I saw a different GP and he said it was still fine, but I knew it wasn't, and my mum definitely knew it wasn't. And I went back and asked for a referral, and that's when I was very much grounded. I was grounded in the UK. I thought I was heading back to China or somewhere to teach English. That's the idea of teaching English wherever in the world because you could go anywhere and teach English. And so I thought I'm not going to be staying in England long. I'm here for Christmas to see my family, and then I'm off again. But that, you know, that changed immediately as soon as I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I don't want to
0: keep banging on about the breast cancer, but it is sort of really integral yeah. to the whole sort yeah. of travel experience. Yeah, I mean, it really is. how how did that make you feel?
1: I was, I mean, it's hard to describe, but I was just more shocked and confused more than anything because all the way along I'd been treated with this sort of attitude of you're too young, so this isn't going to be anything bad, and that it flipped on 180 degrees. On the day that I was told it, it was something really bad, and I was just so baffled by that. And obviously, at the time, I didn't really know anything about cancer—only really bad stuff. It's only stuff that I'd really sort of seen in the media, and I just assumed that it was just going to be the end. And then it was a, within a week that I was told that it was stage four, so it was already incurable. And that's when things, I guess, stepped up a gear, and I and I knew that I had to, I had to really try very hard to get better Um and I was not going to be heading off anywhere anytime soon but it was later in the year so I was diagnosed in February 2009 and by December 2009 my sister and I went to San Francisco to see friends and I thought that's amazing like after all of this I can still I packed my backpack as in my like backpacking backpack and even though I a suitcase would have been much more handy <laughs> But yeah, for I just, San Francisco, I just, definitely. Yeah, I, I just thought, no, I want to feel like a traveller again, and I want to feel like I'm I'm getting to explore a whole new world that is so far removed from cancer, and I got to do that. It was amazing. You went to Australia before, didn't you? So yeah. was that
0: before, that was before Beijing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was when
1: I was 18. My sister and I always knew that we weren't going to go straight to university, that we would always take a gap year and go travel around Australia. Um, because our mum had done it. So our mum was a real travel bug as well when she was younger. And that definitely rubbed off on us. She took us to all sorts of places when we were younger. So we knew that was the plan. Australia was the plan. So we worked in apple packing factories and bought a van and travel around. And it was, that was the best nine months ever.
0: Was that before yeah. or after the Wolf Creek days? Did you ever see that? It's the scariest horror film ever, and I can't watch it again. Oh. And it just made me put, it, when I went to Australia, it really made me uh, put me off like, going I think that was probably after. In
1: the backpack, back with a <laughs> back
0: band. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the horriblest film ever. Yeah. It's really realistic as
1: well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there were some hairy moments, but. Um, on the whole
0: what stands out from that time
1: I think well what stands out is going to the Outback Um, which went on the longest bus journey ever to get to Ayers Rock and Alice Springs but we met some really great people on the bus but you know when you're that age you just think no I'm going to suck it up but now I would not endure like however long bus ride it was like maybe 12 hours but then you're just like no it's the cheapest thing to do so that's what I'm going to do and you just kind of suck it up and you You end up actually having the best time and meeting the best people. And we slept out near Ayers Rock and it was actually really great. But I loved everything about Australia. Again, it was the first time being independent with my sister and going away and making meals for ourselves and just having to really grow up. And I mean, buying a van when you're 18 is like quite scary, but we did it and it was, it was just a real laugh it was really good really good I think the only the only thing that I would have done differently is that I had a boyfriend at home so I didn't you know it's not like my sister and I went crazy and met loads of guys because we both had boyfriends at home and I think
0: don't go travelling when you're 18 with a boyfriend at home no and uh, maybe do go travelling but ditch yeah. the boyfriend yeah I yeah. think that is, you know, speaking as a woman, that has been the thing that has stopped me from doing a lot mm-hmm. of things. Well, not stopped me necessarily, but stopped me from fully enjoying them yeah. as much because you're sort of pining for someone back yeah. home. Yeah, and yeah. you're always having
1: to spend a lot of money on telephone cards. I mean, it's different now with, I don't know, WhatsApp and stuff. But back then it was telephone cards and spending a lot of time in phone booths and stuff. And I could have been doing other things. Yeah, yeah. especially as you live yeah. now, you know. Yeah, like, exactly. The point? I know. It was like the first love. I mean, I have
0: no regrets, but. I
1: I definitely would recommend for... Like for people to ditch the boyfriends. Yeah.
0: Really I, do you know what? I look back on a lot of my troubles and think exactly the mm-hmm. same thing I do. I mean, but at the time you're in love and yeah. you know, it's really intense. And yeah. And he was really supportive.
1: He's not like he was saying, I'll come back early or anything like that. And he was happy for me, but
0: yeah, it, it does, it does change the experience. Yeah. But when you look back, you just, you remember the positive stuff yeah. anyway. Yeah. You know? Also, what you said about not having phones is really interesting. Mm. It's, I was thinking about this the other day. The amount, you know, I just, I would disappear for, weeks abroad without my parents really speaking to me Mm. and contacting me and, you know, maybe like a phone call once a week or something like that. I'd have no idea where you were. You'd have no idea where you were. You wouldn't have a map or, you know, Mm -hmm. just a paper map. Yeah. We'd become so much more dependent on being in touch and technology. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, even on the way over to Australia, we went via Malaysia and onto this island called Langkawi. Oh, I've been there. Oh, isn't it? Yeah. And we were so excited, a bit too overexcited. We met these guys who were who had been stationed there from the army and they were having a few nights off and we decided very drunkenly to get get piggybacks from them to get back through this water section back to a hotel when we could have walked the long way around but we decided to cut a corner, piggyback through water, rocky water he the guy that I was on the back of ended up tripping over and I had everything in my bag, my phone, my camera, my passport. My money, thankfully, we had Australian dollars, which were waterproof, which was fine. Everything got ruined. And it was the very start of our trip and I was absolutely gutted. And plus, I've still got a scar on my foot from where I sketched this massive rock. But then we got to Australia and we had to buy these new phones. And we, we had old school film cameras back then. Like It was just all ruined. And I just thought this will teach us a lesson very quickly to be more careful. But also just having to go into a shop and get a phone that was so crappy and they could do the bare minimum text to the family to let you know that that you're okay and i think nowadays when you can facetime people and whatsapp people 24 7 and and share stuff on social media i just think that person who's gone away feels much closer yeah and you'll feel much
0: closer to home as well and i'm not sure it's the same experience now it's not the same experience there's positive things about it yeah. like my brother lives in la and we facetime each other yeah. sometimes every night yeah. and it feels like we haven't you know, we don't really lose touch for the yes. first few years he was there. We'd speak to each other once every four months, you mm-hmm. know, and it felt it, it felt like we did lose touch, but then it felt really intense and yeah. fabulous when you spoke to each other again. Yeah, I think that's nicer.
1: I do really think that's nicer because then you've got more to talk about, and and I and I think if had I been able to contact a home so much, I would have been bogged down with so much stuff that was happening at home and not really experiencing what
0: I was experiencing. Kind kind of skyping rad. a boyfriend every night. Yeah, <laughs> just like you no. Know. No, that was just been such a bore. So um, when you got back from uh, Beijing and mm-hmm. you know you had the the cancer diagnosis, um, you set up the charity yeah. and there was a really wonderful story about you being in Downing Street when you actually got the go ahead mm. to to open the charity. What's yeah. the words to, to, get it charity charity to? get charity status. Yeah. We would have got charity status anyway, but it was
1: the the usefulness of speaking to someone at 10 Downing Street while well, it was Sarah Brown at the time and asking her whether she could just chase up the charity commission and see if we were going to get status and and then I got the call the next day from 10 Downing Street saying that they were looking into it and that things were looking good I mean that was just I think that's still the most rock and roll story that I've got (laughs)
0: <laughs> well you do but, have to actually have a lot of rock and rock stories because you've got a lot of celebrity supporters mm. and you seem to have been able to really harness their power for the charity mm. and you know the charity is doing so well you've saved women's lives you know mm. you literally saved women's lives which is incredible how have you managed to do that you know to get these really influential people on board
1: i think being in the right place at the right time i was lucky enough to win awards or go to events and stuff where i got you know where these people hang out and i just start talking to them, and I think you just have to be quite bold. And and I always believed in myself and what I was trying to achieve, so I thought, surely they're not going to be annoyed by me telling them what I'm trying to do, and actually no one ever was. And and then the ones that cared stuck with me, and the ones that weren't so fast didn't, and that's fine. And these days, celebrities have so many charities that they support, and a lot of them are already taken up and are doing their own thing, and that's absolutely fine. But when you can find someone who really understands what you're trying to achieve and really gets it, that's the best thing. Um, and people like Fern Cotton are certainly one of them. And just whatever they can do in whatever time they've got, they will do. And I think to this day, I don't think people like Fern really understand the impact that they can have. After being on her podcast a few months ago, we had so many messages of, of people saying, I've been to the doctor, I've found something, and it's either fine or they've been diagnosed and with breast cancer early and yeah she's she doesn't realize how incredible her impact is and in, in using her platform for good oh she does but i don't think she really realizes how incredible that is and i think a few other celebrities don't really understand that either but it's amazing when we hear some really positive stories off the back of their support it's, it's a great feeling
0: because your aim is to get people to check to check themselves so yeah. they will get that diagnosis early mm. because yours was late, yeah. you know, through no fault of your own. Okay. For a start, you didn't know about checking because yeah. you don't when you're 21 yeah. and 22. You just don't, you, yeah. know, you you don't even think about it. Yeah. When you did go to your GP, they totally dismissed you, again, for the same reasons because mm-hmm. you're so young. I mean, it is rare to get it young, but yeah. it, it, it happens.
1: Yeah, it happens. And And I guess, you know, what we're trying to do is instill a habit we're not saying that you're going to get it in your twenties, but it's, it could happen. But it, the chances of you getting it when you're older are incredibly high and increases with age. And, and you just think, well, if you're 50 and you've been checking since you were 20, you will know your boobs so well and you would notice if something's changed. So, so after you
0: founded the charity and the charity, you know, started to do well, you started to do, uh, to do treks and things yeah. for, for the charity oh. and a wonderful one that sounded incredible through Iceland. Yeah it was amazing i'd been to iceland before so i knew the magic
1: of it and i thought actually experiencing it on a hike would be incredible because you get to see all the terrain and just really feel like you're part of that incredible nature um and it was i think a three-day trek and it was every day was so vastly different and it was amazing the colors and just everything about it was brilliant. And just doing it with a with a good bunch of people who had all raised, I mean, we raised thousands and thousands of pounds for Cobbfield. And they all had their stories and all had their own reason for being there. And that's the magic of those treks. And and I think that's why they've been so successful. When the people come back from the trek, they have in, these incredible bonds with everyone that they've been on the trek with. 'Cause I think you just bond over really tough times and blisters and all sorts and you're just you're there for each other and you've you're know, experiencing something with someone that no one else has and gosh, some of the friendships that have been created from these hikes is just amazing. I just watch them sometimes at our events and I'm like, Oh wow. We made that happen. Like they found each other in life because of us. Yeah, and we've got one coming up in the Himalayas
0: this year. I was really tempted to apply for it. In fact, I looked yesterday thinking, oh, are there any more spaces? And it's gone. The deadline is gone. I was very tempted.
1: But we might open up. Obviously, we've had so many applications for that one
0: which is um, incredible isn't yeah, it that's it really is good because it's not a, a, an easy you know I was re- reading the itinerary it wasn't an easy trek no, necessarily it's not it's the, probably the toughest one that we've done and the biggest one
1: so we've got 100 people going this year which is a lot but it's our 10th anniversary and we wanted it to be a tougher challenge a bigger challenge and really make a big thing of it so I'm excited for everyone going I'm I probably won't be heading there but I kind of live it vicariously through everyone that goes and someone from the team will be going and have you done other ones
0: I know you did the Iceland yeah
1: no that's the only one I've done
0: what was the most exhilarating moment about the Iceland trek probably the
1: end (laughs) 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 I was very happy to finish I was very tired at the time I was taking some drugs for my cancer that just made me feel quite tired and it was giving me awful mouth ulcers so when you're obviously hiking you're not really looking after yourself in the best way possible And sleeping was really tough and and all the rest of it. So I think I was just quite glad to finish and just have that huge sense of achievement of like,
0: okay, I can do anything right now.
1: That was really great. What was Um, the best view
0: you saw on that journey?
1: It was just like feeling like you're on the moon. You're walking on this like black sand and you feel like you're on the moon. And then every now and again, there'll be these incredible plants everywhere. And you just think, how are you growing here? It was all... Pretty amazing. And then on the last day, everyone got to go to the Blue Lagoon, which is obviously the most touristy thing you could do there. And I wouldn't actually recommend it because there's some actual really nice natural places to go for a dip. And so friend, my sister and some friends came over after we finished the trek. And actually, we stayed a few more days in Iceland and I got to explore the northwest part of the island. And it was amazing. We just drove around and just experienced even more of the incredible landscape and we came across this really cute little waffle house one day you know when you just stumble across the most perfect places and it just did the most incredible waffles and cups of tea and it was just amazing Um, and it all just worked out so well and we were driving around in this like Hummer which made us feel really badass. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to go back and like, explore more of it, really. There's so much land there that hasn't really been seen.
0: It sounds like travelism is very important to you. Mm. Do you have the energy? I mean, obviously you have to conserve your energy, you know, considerably. Do you have the energy to go on lots of things? I mean, the, a, a trek through Iceland and a trek through the Himal- Himalayas is obviously quite challenging. Yeah. But, you know, do you ever just go to the Maldives and like slob out on a beach? <laughs>
1: Uh, I have never been to the Maldives. Um, you need to go, it's a good uh, Yeah. I definitely do have very chilled trips too, because I live in Cornwall, in Newquay. Um, I mean, I live by the beach, so I love being by the ocean. But Newquay Airport flies to some great places like Faro in Portugal. So my sister and I went there a couple of years ago, and we just literally just spent a few days by the sea and hired a bike one day. And yeah, it was very nice and just so easy to fly from somewhere so close and then head you know be home again so quickly it's Um, a great little airport i've flown from there Do they
0: still charge you a fiver on the way out there? oh they don't they do i always get really annoyed when airports do that i don't know why yeah no because you're not expecting it you're like what What, i've got to give you a fiver
1: you you don't even know where it's going yeah no they do not sure they were using
0: it for some good you know not just for like their beer fund or whatever
1: (laughs) (laughs) but when we flew to faro it was the first time that niki airport was flying there and they seemed so excited by this and they um, were handing out little glasses of port to everyone on the way, so that was really cute. That's flying great. from the little airport.
0: Yeah, me too. I mm-hmm. do. Some of the smallest airports have been around the world, like Koh Samui. Have you ever been to that one no. in Thailand? It's really nice. It's just got thatched roofs, and you get a lot sort of fresh mm-hmm. pineapple juice, and just sit there on the grass and yeah. wait for your plane to come in. Yeah. Uh, where else have you been, then? Where else have I missed? I've been to the Philippines. We're we just on holiday. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was. Well, back
1: in the day, I went out with a guy who was half Filipino. So his mum practically owned one of the tiny islands over there. Nice. And so we got to just live island life for a few days and eat fresh fish and incredible mangoes and just, yeah, live on this luxury. Well, it wasn't luxury because there was lots of local people there who didn't have anything that we had. But they seemed far happier, far happier than we were. But... It was just beautiful. It just felt like you and actually, because of the beautiful colour of the water and going snorkeling. And ugh, it was just amazing. I'd love to go back to the Philippines, but it's a bit crap when you don't have a contact there anymore. Like,
0: Can you it's not, not go the best to your boyfriend to... and go well, to the mum and say, no, you don't mind, you, know, you own an island. <laughs> I they would actually let me, but... It's a bit awkward It's a bit weird isn't it Exes with benefits <laughs> uh, Yeah exactly I, I was told by Claire Wynn I should go to the Philippines I've never been actually Claire uh, clairvoyant once told me Not that I necessarily Believe this stuff But someone once said to me You should go to the Philippines You'll feel at home there I was like Alright oh. that's a bit weird And I still haven't been I'm a bit scared oh Just in case I do feel at home And like yeah, stay no, yeah, forever stay f- Yeah Philippines is great So I would
1: recommend you Before I decided to do The HND in travel and tourism And after Australia I still wasn't ready For university I wasn't ready to study anything I just wasn't really sure What I wanted to do and so I saw this ad for volunteering in Borneo at a, an orangutan conservation place. And I just called them up and I just inquired. And he said, well, it's very really early days still. We've got a special offer where you can go. We basically cover the flight and you just have to pay for the accommodation. And so it was super cheap and it all sounded so perfect. And I was 19 at the time and I thought, this is great, I'm going to get to meet all these new people and stay at this incredible place. And I got there and it was just me and another girl and the guy dropped us off in the jungle and said I'll be back in well I think we were there for a month and we were staying literally in the rainforest at this conservation place and we got to feed the Orangutans in the morning and some of the other animals as well and then for the rest of the day we just have to entertain ourselves so there was nothing there we had a radio and that was it but we bonded so much because we had no choice yeah it was great that she was an amazing human and such fun to hang out with for that time but it was so far away from our expectations of what we thought it was going to be we thought there'd be so many more people that it's just us two and we weren't really sure if they needed us there or not and I am quite skeptical of this volunteering, these volunteering holidays where you actually aren't really helping, you're hindering a lot of the time. But it was an amazing experience and the orangutans there, we became really good friends with. They're just like humans too. So
0: it was great to do at the age of 19. But, but um, you were kind of expecting like a bit yeah, more of a party.
1: <laughs> I just thought I'd just get to meet more people and expand my experience of it's like knowing more people around the world. But it was just me and this girl called Louise from Egham. <laughs>
0: Hannah, it's a it great was name. Really was she from Egham as well? Yeah, she, yeah, <laughs> she was from Egham. Travel is obviously important to you. What do you think, you know, you do have a, a supposedly terminal illness, even though mm. you've lasted 10 years and you're looking great and fabulous. Mm. What do you think should inspire other people to travel? Do you think travel is good for you?
1: I think it's the best thing you could do. Going away and experiencing something new is so important. But also at the same time, I love being at home, especially because I live in Cornwall, which is beautiful. I love being at home and there's nothing wrong with staying home. But I think a lot of time people feel like they can't travel because they've been given a bad diagnosis. But I think if you're feeling well, go. And insurance is a big thing. Insurance is a huge issue when it comes to people who've got incurable cancer. Because, I mean, insurance companies charge a lot of money. I don't get insurance now for that reason well i don't get i get normal insurance like like covers my luggage or cancel flights but i can't get insurance for my health because we're talking like three thousand pounds up and so i don't do that and so you have to really consider what's the worst that could happen and i always think well i just get back on a flight and come home immediately places like america i mean that's it scares me going to america given the prices and
0: and how much of a, a bill you could rack up over oh, there. Just look, you know, thinking of all the treatment mm. that we get here on the NHS yeah. and you look over at the States and it's just shocking. My, yeah. my four-year-old fractured his skull a few weeks ago in two places Oof. and he was fine, luckily, but, you know, very luckily. But we spent the week in hospital. We yeah. had CAT scans. We had a private room. We had everyone yeah. looking after us, round-the-clock yeah. care, a drip and everything. Yeah. And that would have cost a couple of hundred grand in yeah the states and you just think with people that have gone through and are going through what you're going through you know it's ruined their lives in so many ways yeah
1: but I think because we're more aware of our health and we're more aware of what our body needs it's actually safer than some people who have underlying issues or have accidents away like anything can happen to anyone so I think your cancer diagnosis should never stop you from going abroad and doing what you really want to do Unless, of course, you're very, very unwell, then you have to really think about the logistics of it all. But on the whole, people who have a terminal diagnosis are well enough
0: to go do these things, and they should there's have you had? Nice. Have you been to? Have you had any experimental treatment? I know someone that went to a clinic in Arizona or something. Like I haven't travelled abroad
1: for anything experimental or alternative. No.
0: I guess you haven't needed to, really. If no, are, but you're I'm okay.
1: I'm open to things. I'm open to. I mean, when it comes to this, you try anything, really. But I'm quite sensible and I I do my research. But I know a lot of people who travel to places in Germany for treatments, and I knew someone who spent a lot of time in, at a clinic in Istanbul and actually loved experiencing turkey while she was there and really lapping up the culture and lapping up the food and but at the same time obviously having to be in that hospital a lot of the time so yeah health tourism is is I think getting bigger
0: <laughs> it is indeed I know people that have done it for like fertility treatments yeah. and things like that as well yeah. you've, you've had your your recent your 10-year cancerversary mm-hmm. and you released this wonderful video online with your top tips for making every day great and some of them, they just really spoke to me and they're things that I really try and do and I think a lot of us really try and do when you're, you know, when you're feeling like sort of January and February a bit rubbish mm-hmm. anyway and like when you're yeah. sort of coming out of that sort of whole bit of a fog in um in winter or for whatever reason they were exercise even when you don't feel like it dream big dream really big don't be intimidated by celebs or other people which is a really good one and that might be your boss or anyone that you know sort of perceived to be above you in that way take the rough with the smooth don't worry about your age because birthdays are meant to be celebrated and I read an article with you saying saying more about that is that people worried about age and wrinkles and you know these are worried that worries that people should love to have because it means that you're Getting older yeah, you and get be you're still alive. Mm-hmm. Never underestimate what is possible with a little bit of passion, determination and a projector. And ask yourself, would this be more fun if I was wearing pom-poms, fancy dress or glitter? Absolutely. And nine, dance in big capital letters. And ten, find something you believe in and do it. Are these really your, this is your philosophy on life?
1: Uh, yes. Do you know what? This video was made by the team and they've pretty much summed me up. Very, very well. They know me very well to have come up with that, with those 10 things. And I absolutely try to live by them. It's not always sustainable or doable, but on the whole, they are the things that sum me up. I I don't really enjoy exercise, but I do it. (laughs) And I think because Copperfield has been such a success, it just shows that passion really can take you to some incredible places. Because I knew nothing about running a charity. I knew nothing about business or anything, but I had passion. And that has brought all of this together. So yeah, they're just a couple of things, but I think they are good things to live by. So if people can just do one or two of those things in a week, then I think that's a good thing to do for life. Dancing
0: especially. Yeah. Dancing. I kitchen, just need to do Kitchen it disco dancing. Even if it's just in the kitchen, yeah. it just makes you... Singing and dancing just makes your soul sore. To yeah. me, anyway, it really does. Yeah.
1: The other day when we were at Disneyland, we were staying in an Airbnb and the girls that I was with we all really like Little Mix and we just put this song on and suddenly we were all sort of dancing the same routine. It's like we all, there was no communication between us, but we all started doing the same moves and then someone filmed it and it's like brilliant. Just having that slight memory for life is is great. I just think, oh, these people are meant to be in my life because we have the best moves.
0: <laughs> but this is the, the, you've just preempted my last question because mm-hmm. my last question is always about music. And I was going to ask you, if you could think of one song that reminds you of a time or place of travel, a really special special or memorable moment, what would that song be? I think
1: that, I mean, this is going to be so cliché for anyone that went travelling in Australia in the early 2000s. Naughties or whatever you call them it would have to be jack johnson taylor because i just remember us driving around in the van and listening to his album and just everything jack johnson just made us feel like we were living the best beach and free and and amazing life so
0: yeah I think that would have to be Jack Johnson Taylor. I want to go back to Australia yeah. and drive around listening to that. Yeah. I really do. In fact, yeah. I'm going next year or this, this oh, at the end amazing. of this year, so I might put it on. You're not the first person to choose Jack Johnson. Really? <laughs> yeah. God. I can't remember if it was relating to Australia. I'll have to listen back. Yeah. But... We were convinced he was Australian, but he's actually from Hawaii. He's Hawaiian. Yeah. isn't he? Yeah. But I think that's the same sort of vibe. It's yeah. the same sort of surfy, yeah. beachy, guitar, yeah. sitting around a campfire mm-hmm. sort of vibe. Marvellous. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. Chris, you're doing such wonderful work and have such an inspirational message. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, join us for ultra runner and adventurer, Jamie Madison.